Welcome back to the Ice Coffee Hour. My name is Chandler David Smith, and so far the podcast has made more than ten million dollars. Oh come on! Wow! You <laughs> just want to be the biggest number this time. Just gotta hook that it. is the is biggest number. That? Uh, I think Jason Oppenheim said like two million, and that would be the second highest. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm yeah. calling my shot. There we go. I don't know. Year, two years. Six How much months. have we made, Jack? We've made $157,000 in ad revenue yeah. on the podcast. Ballpark. Yeah, close. it was close. Yeah. So uh, thanks so much for coming on, Chandler. Thanks for having me we back. We had you on, what was that, like a year or so year ago? ago? I think about one year ago. It was about one year ago, and things have changed pretty drastically since January of last year, February, when we had you on. It's pretty interesting to see you, because that was the last time we saw you. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the last time, I had more subscribers, and since then, you have just plowed past me. You had more subscribers than the Ice Coffee Hour. Mm, the last you guys time. were early. Oh. It was young. So where were you at? You were at like 99,000, right? Right Something. under 100? We were both under 100 still. Yeah. And then, yeah, you guys blew past. The I made it past. table. Wow. <laughs> well, now you're sitting at about like 150,000 subscribers, right? Yeah. Right around there. And you also yeah. have 150 rental units, right? 160. 160 <laughs> rental units. So uh, we'll talk about that, how you that's got into crazy. that a little bit. For almost like every thousand subscribers, you get another unit. Yeah, I've, that's been the goal. I need to keep more units than subscribers. So but I we, want both of them to go up. So if we get you a thousand subscribers from this, you have to buy another unit. One hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. I've got an Aplex under contract, so I'd love okay. it if you could get me eight thousand new subscribers. Okay. So we had <laughs> so we had you on originally as I think meet the real estate investor with a hundred and two tenants. Now how many tenants do you have? Um that's so hard. Cause we've got hundred and fifty units for renting, but we've got multiple like families a lot of the units i bought this year were actually bigger so three bedroom i'd guess we're pushing 300 tenants 300 tenants. but really 162 tenants because that's how many units we have so. gosh and yeah. that's just like the tip of the iceberg you know you know the iceberg you'd see mm -hmm. what's <laughs> and then we got storage units on top of that right yeah yep so 170 something storage units that's just two different um storage unit complexes and this is all located in Idaho Falls, right? Yeah. Idaho? Yeah. Well, the majority of it's right within an hour of that area. Hmm. So why don't you bring the viewers up to speed on a bit of your backstory, how you got into this, for those who have not seen the first episode, because we got an entirely new audience <laughs> today. So if you could summarize that in the first few minutes, bring people up to speed on how you got 300 tenants now. Yeah. So I started out as a door-to-door -door salesman, so I couldn't get hired anywhere else. And they said, hey, if you come move to California, come out in L.A., we can give you a job. It's 100% commission, but we think you could make, you know, $15,000. And I was hooked. So I picked up my life, left school, went out to go and knock doors and sell pass control for the three and a half, four month summer. And I got out there and I sucked really bad. So I didn't sell anything. Everybody else was selling well. I was work, I'd work probably a week or two. And finally I got my first sale and then kind of clicked. And so then over the next three, three and a half months, I ended up breaking the company record. And so I sold just shy of $200,000 worth of pest control contracts. So I made $96,000 that first summer. And then I was just in a place where I needed a place to put it. So I came back and, um, you know, hopped on YouTube, asked friends, family, shopped around and got to the point where I felt the best about investing in real estate. So at first I did a hard money loan on a property and I think the first check you get, you know, you put money somewhere and then you get a check, gets you pumped. Mm -hmm. That got me really pumped. And so then I was really looking for a rental unit. I ended up buying a condo. And then once I got the condo, I started just spending everything I had in real estate. And I've kind of 
done that since then. So I got a duplex and a duplex and a fourplex and a, what, eightplex and a 15plex. And then my biggest property I've purchased so far is a 32-unit apartment complex. And then I've just bought a bunch of other four-unit, eight-unit, 11-unit stuff along the way as well. So how old were you at the time when you first did your that, that summer selling pest control? So 21. 21. the first time I went out and knocked doors and sold. Any college? Um, I hadn't done any college. I had done a two-year mission for my church up in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I spent a couple years up there and then came back, was super poor, and went out to L.A., did the pest control thing. Hmm. And then you continued to sell pest control to have like a pretty strong income, I'm guessing, for the next few years. And then all of that, you basically just funneled into real estate because a lot of the times like to acquire, you know, 150 or 160 units at such a young age, I mean, you have to have some sort of like, like it's just got to be a strong income, right? Yeah. It's interesting because looking back, there are lots of things I could have done better with creative financing and other options that I've since used and gotten better relationships with my credit union and banks and done all of that. But, um, the majority of it, I've just taken the money I made and I felt like that was the the best place for it. And so I just invested it along the way. So I've actually never used money for any of the down payments that wasn't mine. Um, I have bought two properties where I've done partnerships, one with my brother and one with my best friend. And those have both been in the last year. So that's been fun. But other than that, I've just come up with the money for the down payments and put it down and bought property. What do you think about the real estate market now compared to when we first talked about a year and a half ago? Um, It's such an interesting question because I think we're all curious. When's it going to crash? I don't think it's going <laughs> to crash. And I think it also depends on which market you're in. I do feel like something has to give and we know the interest rates are going up. So mm-hmm. maybe it'll just slow down a little bit. But in our market, especially out in Idaho, um, we're struggling because there's not enough housing. Like there's legit not enough properties to rent. There's not enough properties to buy. And so I don't see my market especially slowing down anytime soon because we are struggling so much with so so much demand. So I don't know. I feel like we're in a great place the next two to three years. And if I was going to predict a crash, I would have no idea at this point what I would think would cause it, especially in my market, because mm-hmm. there is such demand other than if people just can't, pay for stuff anymore, which who knows the world's weird. So, (laughs) right. It's interesting because Idaho falls uniquely has appreciated like way above the like the national average, right? Like isn't, isn't Idaho like the, isn't that the number one most appreciated area in the U S I think it was like 30, I think it was that in Phoenix and Austin, but I think your area is up like 35% last year insane doesn't make any sense and it was because i was so smart and picked it perfectly no (laughs) yeah i got lucky i grew up there and that's where i bought real estate and it's been a huge blessing but yeah it's Uh. it's insane i mean i think the last time we were on here i valued we'd have to go back but i think i valued my property at somewhere between 10 and 15 million and when i've looked at it i think it's more than 25 million now and more than you know the majority of that is just equity now which surprises me as well but i've bought really good deals and we've increased rents like crazy because the demand is there so on a lot of my properties even since i was here last you know we've been able to bump rents hundreds of dollars and um since i bought i would say the majority of 
my properties rents are more than double what they were when I took ownership. Why? So. Why? Why is that area going up so much in particular? It seems like of all the areas, you would you would expect it to be like a coastal city or like like a booming tech destination. Why? Why Idaho? Yeah, it's a good noticed? question. Um, so Kevin flew out and came yeah. and walked through the properties. His thought on it is that it was a bunch of catch-up appreciation, that it was this stagnant market that even though it was growing, no one really knew what they could demand with the growth and things just had been stagnant for so long and then it needed to catch up because it was so far behind. Um, I think there's some truth to that. I think it was a market that was just, I don't know, comfortable. Everybody was comfortable. There wasn't a need or it, it wasn't normal to expect rents to go up. And now I feel like over the last two, three, four years, it's become the standard that you know every year rents go up substantially. It's just part of it. I also think that Boise, which is the biggest city in Idaho, um, originally was a lot smaller and it blew up. And I think a lot of areas like ours in southeastern Idaho have said, holy cow, look what Boise did and we're following their trajectory. And so you know, rents naturally need to fall. I also think inflation hasn't helped anybody. <laughs> yeah. I think the market as a whole is going up. I, I just think it's a combination of a lot of things. And then finally, there are tons of people coming into Idaho. I think with COVID, a lot of people said, hey, I actually hate where I live and I want more space and I want more land and I want to be close to the mountains and I want to be away from the big city. And so they came to areas like Idaho Falls and Pocatello mm -hmm. and where I buy a lot of my real estate. So. How much would you say that is speculation, though? Because you mentioned that people are looking at Boise and they're like, well, if Boise is doing that, then, then maybe over here, and let's put our money here. How much of that is, is just people bidding up because they expect it's going to be going up? Who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where every new property I buy and I go to my management company, I say, all right, what can we rent this for? And he's like, well, this is what the demand is. And I mean, just to give you an example, on two-bedroom apartments, I used to be buying properties and increasing rents on a two bedroom apartment. We're talking two, three years ago to 700, 750. And that was like, wow, for 900 square feet on a two bedroom apartment, that's, that's high. Mm -hmm. And now I'm getting 950, $1,000 for two bedroom apartments just a couple of years later. And so it's so hard to answer that question because it's there. There's huge demand. There's huge need. How much of it is speculative? I, I don't know. People are paying it, so we're going to keep renting there, you know? And it things like that don't change quickly. It's not like something could happen and then instantly rents are all going to drop back down. I think even if something like that did happen, it would happen slowly over time. And I also am the bottom of the market on these properties. Like we're talking C property, two-bedroom apartments, and they're building a bunch of A brand new properties with the same square footage, but not much nicer finishes that are going close to $2,000. And so... If anything has to give, I would say it'd be the more expensive stuff, mm -hmm. and I, I just don't see ours. Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious what sustains a $2,000 a month rental payment, uh, whereas a few years ago, maybe that didn't exist as much. Is Are there jobs moving to that location, or, or, or is it just a surge of demand from COVID has kind of pushed people? I think there are lots of jobs that have come in and lots of businesses that have come in, but also I'd be lying to you if I don't have some concerns of like, how are people going to pay this? Mm -hmm. um, and I think before, I mean, even two, three years ago in this market, 
it would make zero sense to pay $2,000 because you could have a mortgage for $1,500 and be in a pretty decent home. And that's no longer available. And so I don't know. I, I really wonder though, because I don't feel like incomes in our area have gone up to make up for how yeah. much rents and expenses and other things have gone up. You know what's so. interesting? Downtown Los Angeles. You've been there, Jack, right? Downtown LA? I'm I'm not, have you not? I'm not sure. Have you been to downtown Los Angeles? Yeah. Okay. It's horrible. It's okay. bad. In 2005 and six, they anticipated that downtown LA was gonna be like the next major hub. And so every developer was going in there and they were buying up anything they could. They wanted to build all these, these rentals. So they weren't, you know, doing so much condos. They're doing a whole bunch of rentals. And then when the market crashed, they, they had all these half-finished projects, but they finished them. But what ended up happening is that all the rents in that area collapsed because there was so, they, they were trying to build because there was so much demand. And then it just wiped away when, when that happened. And I remember, I think it was between 2011 and like 2015 or 16, so like seven years there, where rents probably dropped like 50%. And I remember these buildings that they would get people in because they didn't want to show that they're renting them at like 50% off. So they would say, if you move in, we'll give you like six months of free rent. We'll give you the first like three to six months free, depending on how long of a lease you sign at what price. Just move in. Anybody move in. And that was just the newer places or all of it? Almost all of it. Because, wow. yeah, because the, the older places couldn't compete with like a brand new building that was just finished and like six months of free rent to move in here. Uh, now, I mean, obviously for the people that held through that, they're doing just fine. And downtown LA has really recovered. But yeah, the seven years were really tough for downtown. Yeah. And, and even now they're still kind of suffering to a certain extent. Yeah. Well, in seeing all of the new construction that's going on in my area, I'd be lying if I didn't say that it concerns me a little bit with how much they're building because it's, it's crazy. But when you go and, you know, go and sit down the city council meetings and hear what yeah. they're talking about. They're very concerned that we just don't have the housing that's needed. And for me personally, even though it might affect my rents, like if my rents have to come down, I've bought in a way where I'm okay with that. But there's also a part of me that like, I don't want my community to get to the point where there isn't somewhat affordable housing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like as a landlord, I want to make a premium. I want to make good money, but also I think, if new construction does level it out so that it's not increasing at such a crazy rate, right. I'm not going to be super bummed about that. Yeah. I just get so worried when I see an area, and every area, like even Las Vegas is up. I think it's 25% year over year. It's like 26, which is crazy. But I get worried when it's that much in a year. I'm like, what's changed? The only thing that I could pinpoint that's really changed, a lot of people moving from California, New York, high tax states here, which I think it accounts for a decent amount. And I don't think those people are moving back. Um, but other than that, I worry about that because there's so much land here to build more homes and that right now is just a, a supply constraint. So they just can't bring in enough material, but when they can, I'm like, how can they not build more homes? Yeah, it, it definitely, I'm the same way. It's like, it doesn't register. It doesn't make sense. So something has to give. Mm -hmm. And I just hope it's not to the point where it's a bad thing for me, but, yeah. <laughs> but that, and again, that's why it's been nice that I've bought right because, yeah. you know, we're buying aggressively, but also we're being smart with it where even if rents dropped 50%, which I don't think they ever could, but we're still going to be making money. Yeah. Not nearly as much money, yeah. but I think a lot of people where they go wrong is they're going in and they're investing tons of money and their return is small and the only real estate they own is yeah. at that premium. And then, I mean, so, those situations, uh, I have to believe that hurt. So I'm curious, 162 units. 
why not at that point just be like, you know what? Uh, things are going really well right now. Let me let me take some of the money uh, that I'm making from this and put it at somewhere else. Like, why don't I invest in stocks, do index funds, maybe a different location? Why why keep going? I think for me, it ties back to why I keep going at all, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and I'm sure you're in a similar situation. You've got the money to have the lifestyle that I'm sure you wanted, and maybe there's more. There's always more, um, but for me, I'm not passionate about other things. I think that it would diversify my situation. It would probably eliminate a little more risk because I'm very heavy, heavily invested in Idaho in a, in a specific area. And so I personally want to buy more real estate nationwide. And I Mm -hmm. think that's the next step for me, but I really love buying real estate. I really love the model. I love the tax advantages. I love the returns. Um, it's something I'm passionate about. And so I don't, as much as I try to get into the other realms, I just don't enjoy it like I do real estate. Have you have you tried? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've got money in crypto. I've thrown some money in, you know, stocks. And it just, maybe I need to put more money in. But it's like, oh, yeah, like we got to, even best case scenario, and I haven't gotten crazy, but it's like, okay, best case, you get a, what, 10 to 20% return. And you just have uh, that little return on your money that is there. I don't know. It doesn't get me pumped. But with real estate, it's like, man, I see the check coming in every month. I know that not only am I getting that check, but with cost segregation, I'm getting depreciation I can use against all of my other businesses. So I'm not paying tax. And all of these properties are exploding in value. The cash flow is increasing. You're getting the principal pay down. Like it just, it's fun. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And I don't like in my heart of hearts, I don't believe I found another investment that the risk versus reward makes it worth it putting it there. Yeah. I just truly believe this is the best way to invest. All right. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, Morning Brew. Man, I'm so tired. I could definitely use some Morning Brew right now. Me too, Alex. There is nothing I love more than learning and keeping up to date with the latest trends first thing in the morning. From a cup of coffee? No, Alex. From Morning Brew. Morning Brew is a company that makes the best daily newsletter that keeps me up to date with all of the business news that I used to miss out on. I read Morning Brew's email newsletter every single day now, and I can honestly say that I love how easy they make it to keep up with today's current events. I found Morning Brew's daily newsletter while I was uh, doing work, and I saw their article on why Taylor Swift's newest album was scaring record companies. And now Morning Brew even has a YouTube channel. I found this really cool video of them going into detail about how the chip shortage is affecting our economy and how tech companies might have to invent new semiconductor infrastructures to keep up with today's demand. And that's just one of many fascinating and entertaining stories Morning Brew's YouTube channel has to offer. So go subscribe to Morning Brew's YouTube channel if you're interested in business, finance, or tech. We have links down below in the description. Thank you so much, Morning Brew. And back back to to the podcast. I think it would be interesting to talk about some numbers. So you said you owned about $10 million in assets in real estate last year. How much money do you think you made just in appreciation alone from that? And then right now, what are your numbers as far as like gross rental income and then maybe just like the whole big picture? Yeah. So um, it's a tricky question. The easiest way to answer it would be I owned 10 million and I think the average appreciation was what, 25, 30% in our market. So I'm um, the the difference with my properties though is a lot of them we bought with huge value adds so for example the 32 unit the 15 unit the 11 unit a lot of these that i've bought in the last 
year, year and a half. Um, when we bought them, the rents were super low and we've literally doubled the rents on those properties. And the value on those is determined by the rents. And so buying a deal that, you know, already had value add if the market didn't go up, but it has, it's so hard to do the, the quick math, but I'd guess, I don't know, probably 5 million to 8 million, somewhere in there of just like, just appreciation. Added, yeah. Added value, added value. Um, and maybe that's a stretch, but it's been a massive chunk because of forced appreciation and just what's happened when it comes to, um, gross rents. I believe we, in the last video, we're over a hundred thousand, um, per month. And I knew you were going to ask me this. So I just did the math on the new properties we've purchased and some of the increases. And I think we've added an additional 50 to 60,000 per month since I was here last. So I think we're gross between 150 and 160,000 every month. Then you've got mortgage and expenses. Right. Do you have out. any idea what the net is on that? Yeah. yeah. How much, how much do you personally claim on your tax return every the, <laughs> Well, so here's the, here's the tricky thing about the question. I'm sure it feels like I'm skirting it, but I've bought close to 50 units since we were on here last time and a storage unit complex. Every one of those has been value add properties where, for instance, the 11 unit we bought six months ago, we've had to increase the rents on that property from an average of 450 up to 850. And some of those leases have already expired and we've increased rents, some of them haven't. And so every month it evolves. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I know where it should be after having owned the property for a year, but also I've got so much new real estate that's in this sure. progression of getting rents to where they need to be. So, huh? <laughs> how much debt do you have? Um, I think 13 to 14 million last I checked math. So, so that's about 20% equity per unit or per built per structure. Um, is it give or take well, 15% equity? I mean, I think because of all the equity we've added, I mean, I, I valued the real estate at about 25 million and we owe 13 million on it. So we've kind of reached a point even with the new purchases where sure. there's more equity in the properties than debt. I'm curious, do storage facilities make more money than the real estate? Um, it just depends on the property. It's just the same though. Okay. You know, it, how much value can you add to them? The storage units are another one when finding properties and everyone says, Oh, the market's so hard. It's hard to find good properties. The best properties are when you run into people who have owned the properties for 30, 40, 50 years and they get the rents, they increase them the first 10, 20 years they own them. And then they're like, dude, I've got the property paid off. It's cash flowing like crazy and they don't do anything with the rents. And so both of our storage unit complexes were in that scenario where literally the one that I just bought, it was grossing, like 6,000 a month. And now I've got it grossing 11,000, 11,500. And so when you say which one makes more, it's like, well, that was a freaking killer deal. So it sure. made a ton. Um, but they both do well. They have pros and cons. I never have to deal with evictions. I never have to deal with super upset tenants. Like if people are upset with storage units, they just move their stuff or they leave it and you figure it out. It's not like their home. There's not as much yeah. passion behind it. And I really like that part about storage units. You know, but be, yeah. What would make a great business? I just came up with this, by the way. So <laughs> someone could take this. Here's my genius idea. 
Okay. You were mentioning these owners who own the place for like 30, 40 years. They don't do anything with the rent. They don't need to because they don't owe any debt on it. Everything's profits. They're like, ah, what do I care? An extra 10, 15%. How great would it be if someone came in there and said, hey, I'll turn this place around for you. I'm going to manage it. You still own it, but I'll take 40% of the profit above what you're currently making for the next 10 years or something like that. That would be a great business without it, needing to go in and buy the building yourself. Yeah, I think it totally would. I also think that a lot of these old owners are very, very anti being approached with anything mm. because they're just content. And that's the interesting thing is it's not like, I think a lot of times when people hear a story like that, they think it's like me going to the old grandma and talking her into selling me her house $200,000 below what it's worth. It's very different because a lot of these people, they're smart. They're just old and they're tapped out. And so when you build a relationship with them, they'll look me in the eye and say, look, I know rents need to go way up. I just haven't wanna deal with the headache. I just don't wanna do it. I wanna sell it. And so I want you to pay a premium. And when you show them, you know, look, you know, you probably bought this property getting an eight, nine, 10 cap mm. back then. I'm buying it at a five cap, all right? with where your current rents are. So I can't go any lower. I'd be losing money when I took ownership. Now I'm gonna bump it, but it just, it doesn't make sense. And that argument where they're leaving a little bit so you can get a return with where the rents are at, it makes sense to them. And it's fair because they don't have to do the work. They don't have to deal with it. They've made tons of money on it and they're fine to say, all right, I know you're getting a killer deal. I don't wanna deal with it though, go crazy. So I don't know how open they would be to you know, letting someone come in and going through the stress. Maybe I'm wrong though. I'm sure some would, but does that yeah, make sense? Sure. It does. That makes sense a lot. Uh, I am curious though, before we move on, what do you do with the storage units where they just leave it? Um, <laughs> there's a long process. You know how you see like the auctions up yeah. for all of that? You want the honest answer probably? Yeah, I do. I have no idea. I haven't dealt with it. My management company does. Okay. <laughs> and we like, have oh, it. it's a long process. Yeah, yeah, so I don't deal with it. Do they auction yeah. off the, the units? Um, I think that you have to like, this is to what I think. It okay, could be sure. Wrong, they but I think you have too. to post it, put something on their door, wait a certain amount of time. And then if they don't do it, you have to go through the auction process because I think they don't want to allow the owner to have the ability to just go and take stuff out and get rid of yeah. it. And so I think there's a whole with that we haven't really had issues though um at least that i know of my big thing is look at the key indicators and i know those properties i needed the gross rents to a certain amount and we went past that certain amount and as long as it's that every month i'm not asking sure. questions i'm good yeah you know what alex weren't we looking into buying a storage unit what happened to that what yeah we me? were so i did send you some over and uh i don't think you looked at them no i didn't how much but, were they um they actually vary so they the, you look at the front of the storage unit and depending on what you can see is actually like the estimated value. Like if you open it and you see a bunch of like instruments, obviously people are going to bid that thing up. But if you open it and you see a bunch of boxes, old clothes, um, I mean, it could go for, you know, just a, like a hundred bucks. Like it's just so dependent on what you see as soon as you open the unit. How easy is it to bid? I want to. I want to buy one. That would be so, so fun for this to family. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so fun. I would. Yeah. Love I that. mean, here's the thing. I would use it for content on one chance. Something. If it's if it's good. If we go in there and there's like valuables. If it's worth more than I paid, it's going to be a main channel video. If it loses money, then I'm like, all right, that's to family. <laughs> so either way, so either way, you're monetizing the content is what you're there's saying. No way. Yeah. There's no way I would waste that otherwise. Right. And if, right, and if it's if it's 
you know, bad, I'm going to post an Instagram and be like, hey, maybe we could do like a meet and greet. Just like come. And just people come. take our trash. Yes. But that's the thing. Take it's our like, trash. But, but, but in order to like just come by, yeah. you have to take something with you. Five pounds. That's Five what pounds. we did, that's yeah. what we did when we cleaned out your old house, Graham, in, uh, in L.A. Yeah. So yeah. you told Jack to clean it out, and uh, Jack took the stuff that he wanted, and then we posted on Instagram, hey, you can come meet Jack and I, but you have to take one piece of, yeah. uh, of whatever it is. <laughs> it worked I for know. the most part. That was so sad for me, by the way. It was? Yeah, it really was. I, you told me not to throw out your fake plants, and I threw them out. <laughs> Why? Really? Because I didn't, I just, you know what's funny? I didn't even remember them until you mentioned them. <laughs> and now I run through all the memories of I know, like where you, I got those fake plants. There was a, there was a house that, that I had sold and the owner bought those to stage. Yeah. And then. No, I'm upset I threw those out because now I have an obsession nice. with fake plants. They're really nice. This, this was from his house. These yeah. guys right here. Yeah. Those are cool. Yeah. I will say you should have kept the house plants and put them in your house. Because I know. Yeah. It definitely needs a feminine touch. I After didn't. be in there. Well, it, so, okay. So we all say it's a frat house. Is it, it, is it, it a frat house? It's not a frat house. Yeah. It's very. 100% it, it's a frat it's, house, Jack. It's, it definitely looks like a single dude lives there for sure. But not only a single dude, like a single college there's three single colony. dudes living there. There are yeah. three single dudes living there. It's got that it vibe. Yeah, we it can does. tell. And that smell. The smell. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh God. Oh, no. To give you guys a visual, okay? Hold on. Hold on. You got to listen to this. I'm going to run this through in my mind. To close give you a visual. Eyes. Yeah, close your eyes, okay? You walk into this place, okay? From the outside, it looks like a nice, like, respectable neighborhood. You walk inside. The first thing you see is a money rug a hundred dollar bill is a money rug with like 50 pairs of shoes scattered around the entry it's funny we have a shoe rack that yeah. you put your shoes on and it's always empty and all of the shoes are just scattered yeah. around so imagine it never to, has any shoes you have to on step it. around like 50 pairs of shoes and then to the left you see fluorescent lights <laughs> I was gonna to ask, the did ceiling. you pin all those up? You just, you, I was like, that, you see there's like boards the hanging yes. between like, each one. And we're talking <laughs> about like the, the Home Depot sort of fluorescent tubes that you see that like would be in a medical office. Industrial stuff, yeah. Industrial stuff. You see hanging from the ceiling with wires hanging down. <laughs> Below that is a ping pong table. With great lighting. Great yeah. lighting. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be a living room because there's like a fireplace there. No other furniture besides the ping pong table. You walk through that is an empty room with nothing in it. There's just a, a, a light dangling from the ceiling. Then you go into the kitchen. There's a foosball table in there. Right? Okay, a foosball table. Then you walk to the kitchen, and there's one little thing for plants, but the table is, like, wrongly proportioned for that size. That's fine. The kitchen, there's a whole bunch of stuff scattered around the kitchen, a whole bunch of bananas. You have a lot of bananas in your kitchen. Oh, we, we go and, through about 30 bananas a yeah. week. And then the living room is the, the only part that bears some resemblance of, of being an adult because you have a, an old person's picture that looks like you got it from your grandparents. Did. Uh, you did. Okay. Hung on the wall. But below that, you have like a bright blue suede couch. <laughs> got it from Alex. That you got from Alex. Doesn't match anything else in the house. Well, I, the I like the contrast. And the, the upstairs is like just a mattress on the floor. This has like, been so descriptive. And yeah. I was there yesterday, but I do think... Like hearing you walk me through it, I'm remembering yeah. it worse than it actually was. Worse than it was. No, I'm remembering it because oh, of his description. Yeah, yeah. I think like, do you know what I mean? It, it was. Yeah. It's not that bad. It's no, just a it's single sweet. guy. But 
Yeah. It could use a, a loving woman's I touch. I see you just dropping. No. In. no, no, yeah, I get it. Like, Jack, I think a little bit of planning would go along. We could make that house go so well. And I guarantee someone watching this is a designer who would you see, meet you and help you out. Because, it's just weird for me yeah. because to me, I walk into that house and I'm just like, this is the most incredible You're house. In I have literally built this house exactly how I wanted it. You know, I have wow. a fridge. What? Because my guess is with all of those other guys living there, they're paying you rent, right? Yeah. A little bit. That's why it's great. Yeah. No, that helps out. Exactly. It's a good investment. So, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic investment. And also, it's just the perfect house. We oriented that house exactly right. I got the comfiest couch. I got a TV. We have a foosball table and a ping pong table. We put in these incredible lights. It's just you know, it amazing. It kind of reminds me. Uh, in uh, like after my friends graduated high school, you know, I'd, I'd go to a few like friends of friends houses and, and it was by USC. So sometimes like their dad would go and like buy them a house or something around campus as an investment. And then the kids would live there and they could sell the house later. Reminds me of those houses that like, you know, your dad gets you a house and then you just move in on your own. Yeah. Oh, you mean basically a frat house <laughs> it, is what uh, you're yeah, saying. Basically a frat house. Jack, I'm just thinking you can make this place so nice. Really? Like really nice to the point where like, Someone, I think it's so nice already. Yeah. I've been <laughs> it's just like, but I'm, t but I'm saying, Jack, at, at some point you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of people going over to your house, okay. right? Yeah, and you want them to walk in and feel like, you know, wow, this is where this is where Jack lives. Like, have you brought a date there yet? Uh, yeah, a couple. <laughs> yeah, you, but has and he you brought a second about, date back? That's, that's oh, I felt fantastic. <laughs> I was like, wow, like they must really you know, think, <laughs> think this is something spectacular, right? <laughs> they didn't work, but we'll see why. Yeah, we'll see. That's could fair. be the shoes. Could be a myriad. Could of be the shoes. Be a, it could yeah. be a lot of ping pong table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that's that's the my right place. girl will love it. You think so? Yeah, I do. I yeah, think the I right guy will love it. it I think you. guys are the ones that appreciate that house. <laughs> but not but not only just guys. Uh, I, I like I like Boys. the house itself. Oh. Yeah, I would say guys <laughs> under twenty three. Uh, <laughs> I'm twenty three. I'm not under yeah, twenty three. I guess so. Yeah, I so, guess so. Yeah. Hey, I just noticed you're wearing an Aptiv shirt for me. Yeah, I wore this on purpose. I'm flattered. Yeah. So this is Aptiv is I his uh, his door to door sales business, the pest control mm -hmm. thing. So yeah, you gave That's it to me. Awesome. Thanks so much for it. Thanks for wearing it. One thing I wanted to bring up was. After we had you on the podcast the first time, you knew I wanted to get into rental real estate. Mm -hmm. And we both had a mutual friend, Jack Doherty, who was 17 at the time. Doherty. Doherty? Doherty. Doherty. And you basically led him to a perfect, like a duplex, right? I'm bitter about that. You are. Just because it was a great deal. Yeah, he told oh, me it was a fantastic deal. I was hoping for drama. I'm bitter about that, that kid. <laughs> no, he's awesome, yeah. man. I'm yeah. pumped. He, no, he's he stoked on the on deal. And... Then I reached out to you with another killer yes, deal yes. that has since gone up in value by a ton. I know, it hurts so much. And you didn't buy it. The issue was you brought it up to me on like a Friday and you're like, you have to get everything situated. It was like it was like a gotta act now kind it was, of deal. Yeah, and I just wasn't ready for that, nor did I think what I was even the deal. The yeah. It was just a duplex, but um, rents were low. It was a really good deal and it was really clean. This was like a B property mm -hmm. and I'm usually a C plus guy, but this was like, it was quality, quality duplex. Who bought it? Um, I flipped it to one of my sales reps. Got it. So, okay. Yeah, we've got How all of my. Was it? Um, do you remember? I want to say Four like or two. Was it two something? Well, it was a duplex. It was like two fifty. Holy probably. cow! And what was your renting for? Um, it was two bedroom, both of them upstairs and downstairs. I'm guessing now it's probably like nine hundred up or nine fifty up, nine hundred down, something like that. Eighteen hundred dollars a month with two fifty. It's a good deal. You have to fix it up? 
No, it was like clean. No. It was nice. It just, again, it was one of I those know. older couple owned it. They'd renovated it, kept it nice. I was a wimp. Yeah. I just, I just didn't know. No, I, I remember it was stressful because you hadn't bought one and I'm like, we got to do it now. I've never bought a property before, but yeah. now I have. And now it's like, oh man, I can get all my stuff ready like that. But yeah. Yeah, that was a that was an incredible deal. So. Okay, well, I'll keep my eyes open. There wasn't it, enough room for a ping pong table. That's true. Glad you said there's right. a man, cancel. There's a, don't want a it. Pool table in the front of the house. Yeah, <laughs> you got a sold. You got a money I'll, picture when you walk in. I remember that next time. I'll go hit Walmart and put up a bunch of string lights. For yeah, you. perfect. And yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, one thing I forgot to mention about your place. Just, 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 you just remind me. I love how there's a, like a gym set in the garage. Like like for the, you got like a bench with like the weights. I just wanted to add that in there. It's yeah, awesome. It's like a really yeah. sketchy gym set. Have you set. already shared the surprise of your new vehicular purchase? Uh, yeah. So Houston, not on the, yeah, not on the yeah, podcast, yeah. but uh, the last episode we uh, uh, uploaded was with Houston yeah. and Graham was like, Jack, you got to buy a Lotus. You got to buy like these fancy cars. And I said, no, I want a Mazda Miata. <laughs> the following night, Lucky from Automotive Did Life. watching the podcast? No. So he actually, he sent me a listing to a Mazda Miata on Facebook Marketplace. And then later that night, he just so happened to watch the podcast. So no. Pure coincidence. Yeah. Wow. And he sent sent it to me. I checked it out. I liked it. The following day, we went and actually saw it in person. Lucky came with me, being the great guy he is. He said it checks out. I bought it. 4100 Let's go. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I thought could... he listened to it. Manual was transmission. Like, hey, man, I no. heard you want a Miata. I found... No. Destiny. Um, yeah. Manual transmission, convertible. I was Love just going to say that car really matches your vibe in that garage. Looks good. You think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank with the weight you. rack and everything. Yeah. Don't you think with it fits? The, with the dents. Yeah, the, the dents. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> no, it's a good vibe. Yeah, dents, the dents yeah. missing fog light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. I, I told Jack an S2000. I so expensive. Love. They are expensive, but I love those cars. I think... Over over the next ten years, those cars are going to go up way more in value. I, I think the Miata is good though. I like the Miata. Thanks, Graham. I think for forty one hundred, you're not going to go wrong. I already bought it under market value, so I already made some money on it. So that's good. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll fix it up a little bit, make it nice. It's a value add. Yeah, exactly. Value add. <laughs> Let's so. rent go. it out. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Toro, smart. I want you to go. I want you to pick up a date in that car and vlog it. Oh, she'd love it. I think. Hey, I don't know. I've never thought of this, but on Turo, do they have like super, super cheap, like no, $5 for the day? No, know. the issue is that, well, you can list it for whatever price you want, but I think Turo takes about 30%. And also, um, your car has to be newer than like 2000 oh, something. That makes sense. My car is definitely 22 years old, 23, whatever. Yeah. So, so you're out of luck. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be kind of interesting to talk a little bit about your sales. Okay. As well, because you said you have 500 people, like 500 sales reps, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, is that like active sales reps or are those like in and out? Yeah. So the way that it works is every year we recruit for eight months of the year. <clears throat> so we have our core leaders that come back year after year after year, and we get more leaders after they prove themselves by coming out and knocking and doing well. And then during that time period, we're hiring, training, and training our leaders, preparing them for the summer. So when the summer gets here, the reason for that is a lot of the people that work for us are in school. So the summer gets here and they all disperse throughout the country. Um, We set them up with apartments. We have trainings every morning. We have leaders that have worked with us for years that go and give them the training. And so they're just all over the place and they show up and we train them, get them proper licensing, get them everything they need and then cut them loose on the doors. So that 500 sales reps every year it kind of grows. Right. We'll see where we end up this year for my sales force. 
but this last year we were actually ended up just a little shy of 500 this year so we should be yeah. well over 500 this upcoming year and those guys did over 27 million in sales in the four month summer this last summer now it's interesting to me because with a real estate real estate portfolio of like 20 some million dollars you would think that being like a part of corporate pest control selling would not be worth your time yeah but it must bring in a decent amount of money if you're still balancing that with your youtube channel and also your you know 160 doors of rental real estate yeah i mean the reality is that's been my cash cow forever and we're paid commission i'm paid commission even as a leader so the more that i produce the more that my sales force produces the more we make like just like any business and we've gotten it to the point where we can scale really quickly and the youtube channels helped with that and i think the other thing that's really helped my sales force scale and one of the things that keeps me tied to it is my passion for what we provide for not only our customers with our pest control service but i really care and love what we provide for the sales reps because a lot of times we've got these college kids that have no idea what they're going to do with their lives. Um, they're like me where it's like, I can't get accepted for other jobs. I don't know what I want to do. Maybe I'll go home and stay in my parents' basement or, you know, what, what should I do? And if they find us, they're around a bunch of driven people that go and teach them how to sell, teach them how to work hard, help them go out and make extraordinary money. And then when they get back during that eight months, we have a group for all of our reps that is our real estate group. So we do a call every other week and it's almost like completely free consulting for our people and it's just one of those things i'm really passionate about because now we can provide a way for them to go and make great money and then we can provide a way for them to come home and show them how to invest i feel like that should be mandatory after high school like everyone should be doing that for one year i doing sales yes door-to-door -door sales i, wish I agree everybody just give a year of that well and here's why because you know better than anyone. I think anyone that's successful, they've had huge failures. They've had to push through their rejection. They've had to push through all of those struggles. And there is no better refiner's fire than going and having people tell you no for you know 10 hours a day mm -hmm. for four months straight. You deal with tons of rejection. You figure out how to deflate confrontation, to push through objections, to deal with feeling like crap because everyone's telling you no and find a way to be positive to be upbeat to hit the next door and treat it like a fresh door like that it breaks your brain to get it to function in a way that you can handle rejection that you can stay positive that you can work hard that you can communicate with people and so the skill set that reps come out of like what better way to learn how to run a business or how to go through higher education or how to do anything it just really sets you up to do whatever after yeah that. i did door knocking briefly probably i spent maybe two months doing door knocking it was terrible it was so bad. i look back Graham, at that have you seen the video yeah. where i took kevin out i did we should take you out yeah. we should just You're not watch that pushy, you knock doors Graham. no i'm not i i'm very timid though like to walk up to because i know like i don't like when people knock on my door so i think i put myself in that situation and be like i don't want to inconvenience this <laughs> <laughs> i'm seriously gonna knock on the door do you want to sell your house i used to go so i would go up there and uh i i it was so cringy oh man <laughs> i'd all i'd spend all night the night before printing out like a hundred packages of sales comps in every area and uh and i targeted mar vista so because like santa monica was really competitive venice was like really competitive mar vista was more like families but i didn't do enough research into that area because you're supposed to look at like the turnover ratio santa monica venice is a big turnover ratio hmm. 
that uh, Mar Vista did not. So like a lot of the people who lived there, lived there for like 50, 60 years, didn't move. My fault for not doing the research, but I'd print out the sales comps. And just, I, I had a whole map of the area and I just highlight every block that I went down and I wanted to hit the whole area. And then I, then I calculated like, okay, it'll take me about two months to hit every single house and then I could do it again. And uh, it was really bad. Did you get really a single bad. like client out of that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said like two, three. No, 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 I didn't. Oh, man. Uh, no, I didn't. I got really close. Um, there, there was one or two in particular where, where the people let me in the house. They're thinking, they're like, you know, we might sell if you want to take a look through the house, if you might have a client. So I'd go through the house. I'd get their info. Nothing ever came from it. Um, some people were really rude. Like they, they would open up and you'd see like the, the screen so you couldn't see them. What do you want? No, no, we're not interested. They'd slam the door. The worst were the dogs though. And you would knock. Bah, 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 bah. And, and you would hear the person yelling at the dog to be oh, quiet. Oh God, you try to talk over the dog. Yeah, yeah, like, and they'd open the thing and like barely any of the dogs would go crazy. <laughs> what do you want? I'm like, oh, I just want to give you sales comps. You could leave it at the door. <laughs> I just leave it. It was horrible. But yeah, I did it two months and I thought to myself, I would rather quit real estate than ever door, <laughs> than ever door knock again. Because either it was I was quitting or I'm not door knocking. Yeah. I just figured I'm not going to door knock. It is the yeah. most uncomfortable job you can ever do I think that's why I love it so much I mean I've been doing it for 12 years and I'll still go out for a couple weeks and go and shadow just so I stay fresh and because yeah. I, I want to stay good at it and every time like this summer when I go out you get the jitters you're just like oh this is so uncomfortable yeah. I don't wow yeah you get you get the jitters and, yeah well the other and thing too so nervous this sounds really yeah. arrogant but that's why I like it is it keeps you super humble is the first door they open it and they're like you have to get out of here and they slam the door like, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. Like, I'm a good guy. <laughs> but it uh, it's fun. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's it's incredible because uh, I remember like my anxiety would keep getting worse the closer I got to that area. And then I'd park the car and I kind of like, do I really want to do this today? I'm like, if I just do one door, let me just knock in this door. And just walking up to the house, was, like your heart starts beating faster and faster and faster. And sometimes your mouth would go dry and... <sighs> You would knock and be like, you, your mind would instantly go blank. You forget what you have to say. And they'll open the door and you're like, uh, uh, here, here you go. And you just leave. <laughs> That's it's terrible. so bad. Jack, I'd love to see you do that. Oh, God. I am <laughs> so bad at that. As far as confronting people, I am just terrible. And as far as you're like- not confronting. You want pest control? Can you control? take no, these comps now? <laughs> I think it's like, uh, it's uh, inconveniencing people. I try so yeah. hard to never inconvenience someone because it just is such an awkward thing because I'm aware I'm inconveniencing them. Right. And they know what I like that. I know that as well. So I just try to stay away from stuff like that. But I remember back in high school, I used to have to collect money for these fundraisers for the track team. <laughs> and I'd have to go with like door knocking. And I'm not even prov providing like any value at that point. I'm just like, yo, can I have some money to like, so you sponsor me so I can run laps for you. And that was like very uncomfortable for me. Yeah. So, you know what I'd love to do though, that I thought, uh, who, who did this? The guy from AppSumo. Um, uh, Am I blanking on his name? Alex, you know the guy, AppSumo? Yeah, is it Noah Kagan? Yes. He went door to door and asked people what they did for a living. I thought that was a great idea. And I thought that would do so well if we could even go through this community and just ask what yeah. people do for cool. a living. That would be cool. It's easy as they, a neighbor to be like, hey, I'm a neighbor. Uh, what do you do for a living? Yeah, you have and to just, ask to film them. Well, here's... No, well, you, well, you so don't have I, to. I've done a lot of filming on the doors for... Yeah. 
just because one, tons of interesting stuff happens and I've done lots of videos with it. You just film before and then you ask them after. You're like, Got hey, it. is it okay yeah, if we right. use it? And then it's- yeah, By the way, we've been recording this entire yeah. thing and yeah. we yeah. use this. Yep. <laughs> and then you can, yeah, I've had a couple. That That's the thing that's funny about knocking doors is it's super uncomfortable and the craziest stuff happens. Like the stories I could tell you, man, of just- What's the craziest thing that comes to mind? Very uncomfortable situations. People opening the door butt naked just to see how you'll respond. <laughs> oh the, that's super God. funny. And they just act like nothing's going on because <laughs> they think it's funny. No. And, like people. <laughs> as long as they're not threatening. If they did that to me when I was door knocking, yeah. I think it'd be, I'd be yeah. kind of humored by it. Yeah. Well, you never know whether you should just do your pitch and pretend <laughs> like nothing's happening or be like, this is funny. Well, yeah, but how do you, like, do you, do you, train people how to handle situation you have to right yeah. how do, yeah well so, so if someone answers without any clothes on how, i mean wait, there's your, not a training on the no clothes what, guy but <laughs> there's a there's a course on it somewhere <laughs> what, what's the what's the go-to tactic i the times it's happened to me i just roll through it and do the pitch right like keep good eye contact did you ever sell <laughs> pest control to someone who was naked um, that would be hilarious I've, I've sold some crazy situations like Times where they're like going at it with their spouse, just like at each other's throat. And the husband's like, you will not buy this. And she's like, I'll buy it if I effing want to. And you're just like, okay, just sign here. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> just no wild way. stuff. Yeah. We've had, um, we actually had a video. I've thought about putting this on my channel, but I don't know the legal implications yet. But recently we had a guy pull a gun on our sales rep and pointed at him out in the street. So he came out of his house, yeah. out onto the street oh. and pointed at our rep and said, get out of my neighborhood when it's a legal neighborhood to knock in. Um, this last year we had a cop that went up. Our guy's just pitching. The cop tells the guy to come down and it was one of our better sales reps. And so he just said, look, I've got all the proper licensing. I know I'm allowed to be here. That was actually a customer. She wanted to sign up with me. So can you let me get about my day? Like. I'm not doing anything wrong. Here's yeah. my license. He's like, no. And he's like, he shouldn't have said this. And we train him not yeah. to. But the kid said, could you get the real cops? Because they know this is my license. Guy grabs him, throws oh, him down, yeah. handcuffs him, asks where his car is, goes and searches his car, brings him in, and the kid has to spend the night in jail. Next day, they drop all the charges, and it just disappears. It's just an absolute joke. So just wild. Yikes. And these are extremes, yeah. but when you've got hundreds and hundreds of right. sales reps, do you, a lot of Why not happens. have them wear like a body cam or something? Like, Could you do that? You could, but 500 sales reps, 500 body cams, people wouldn't turn it on. Like, I... I don't know. I don't think the pros, because it's so rare that stuff happens. Yeah. And now that there are so many ring cameras, usually if stuff does get happen, you can go and find one of the neighbors that has a ring camera that caught it. And so yeah, but they wouldn't get the audio on that though. Yeah. Right. If you recorded every single single interaction that your reps had with clients, it would actually make some pretty incredible YouTube. It, and also, I'm sure it would also teach your other rep, like reps how to sell. Yeah. Or what not to do and just like unique situations that come up because I know that people on YouTube They're like uber drivers and they set up dash cams and they yeah, flip them around that, yeah. those YouTube videos go viral Too with well. like interact like interesting Interactions with like, you know uber customers 100% well even this last year when I was out shadowing I had a guy come out and just cuss me out for no reason. I was super good content and yeah. uh, James was in the car recording stuff because we record it for trainings and mm -hmm. for YouTube and for all of that and uh, Yeah, it's People love that. Everybody, yeah. they love seeing people lose their shiz and be jerks. So know. to be clear, you did you have not sold to someone who answered naked? 
for the record. I have not sold them, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's safe to say that if they, they answer without their clothes, it's <laughs> Statistically, unlikely. Just go to the next gonna, store, probably. That's probably what sale. the training should yeah. be. But that's uh, not as exciting. Do you notice these incidents happen more with, like, uh, like does it matter if it's male or female? Or, like, uh, have, have you noticed a difference in terms of, like, if... <laughs> Well, keep like, going. Keep going. <laughs> okay. No, keep going. In terms of his sales reps. Right. And if it's female, how reps. do I sign up for those yeah. ones? No, I'm saying. Is, what are you I'm saying? saying? I'm just saying, has he noticed anything where it's like it happens more often? He's going to signed up with for like, a job with, with Yeah. Like, no, no. With, with, <laughs> that it happens more with like if female salespeople versus male, if, if they end up getting more sales or like that. that's what I'm. No, um, asking the questions I want to ask, but I just was uncomfortable asking it. So, so Wait, as really? far as. Yeah. As far yeah. as like which sales reps, reps are better, yeah, between, yeah. So or, or um, between that or like having incidents of like being brought in and then, um, I think with our female reps, obviously they're more careful. Like, and I think a lot of times, girls are more just because I think unfortunately they've had to deal with more crap like that. Like mm-hmm. they're just naturally that happens more, and so I think a lot of our female reps know to not ever go inside a home unless they're like 100% confidence it's a safe situation. Yeah. Um, with our female reps as well, usually they'll stay to where they're on the same street as another rep. Do they carry anything on them like a pepper spray or like something um, like that? Some do. Yeah. Most don't. But because we're making it sound bad, yeah. it doesn't happen that often. It happens more than in an average job, obviously. But It's a um, rare occurrence. It is. Like a lot yeah. of people could go their entire career yeah, without I mean, you won't go your entire career without having someone like lose their shiz on you and freak out and cuss you out and say they're gonna call the cops and call the cops like they're just crazy people so that happens frequently but when it comes to those situations it's not like those happen a ton got yeah. it i think we should move on to uh we talk about the evil landlord yeah oh boy controversy were, yeah so you uh you know every everybody at some point is a bit of bit of a controversy <laughs> Yours just recently happened. Somebody called you an evil landlord. Yeah. For a video that Kevin posted on his channel. Yeah. You had a video where you, I don't know if we call it confronted, you questioned a tenant who you were evicting. Yeah. Kevin reacted to that and broke down the situation. I was like, here's what you did. Here's what they did. Here's what's the situation. He broke it down very nicely. Mm -hmm. That was put on TikTok and got a lot of traction. And then people are now going after you for for being a landlord essentially yeah so i ended up reposting the whole video because of after kevin posted it i just kind of wanted to like be able to show everything because even though kevin is a friend and i feel like he gave a good evaluation of it people can still skew from a shorter video so i posted the long form video so people could see because i feel like the whole video paints a very fair picture of a very, very bad tenant. Me, because this was a good, probably three years ago when we had the actual situation happen. So I was still a newer landlord. Mm-hmm. I still made tons of mistakes I shouldn't have made. Um, but I feel like I was in the right on everything. It was a really bad tenant. There were drugs. There was, they were stealing the electricity from up above. They had destroyed the property. They were causing tons of issues for the upstairs tenants. It was a really bad situation. Um, so yeah, it's it, when TikTok came out, I have someone that repurposes all of my content and they repurpose the TikTok content from the long form. It did really well on TikTok and then I've gotten blasted by one video in particular that 
there i there's this part of the dark web i had no idea about of people that truly believe landlords shouldn't exist like all housing should be equal fair like just lots of views that obviously i disagree with but that them they're like if you're a landlord you're satan and you're it's bad and yeah they came at me hard and it was disappointing to uh experience that because i feel like the people that follow my channel and the majority of my videos I don't get that many negative comments because I'm just teaching people how to invest in real estate. And the last thing I'll say, and then we can see what questions you have about it, but looking back, even though I got a ton of views to make up for the $15,000 renovation in the months of rent that I lost, which financially ended up being beneficial, if I could go back, I don't think I would have let Kevin post it or have posted the video only reason for it i think i did everything right legally fair for the tenant um i just even though i got their permission to air it and everything i don't know that i should have aired out that like i don't know that i want to connect myself to like taking someone that's on drugs in a bad situation and being the one to put that on the internet does that make sense it does so so what were the main concerns that people had with your video and just to be clear the video was you just having a conversation with your ex-tenant right as you're going through the process of an eviction with them uh because they were like yeah on drugs and stuff like that so what was yeah. the main like oh. controversy with that were they they were not on on drugs on the, at the time you filmed right it seemed like they were maybe me, I mean, I can't confirm like they were, or deny. I yeah. know that they had a, multiple other drug charges and it did seem like halfway through the interview, like we were having a reasonable conversation and then something I saw that, yeah. And the girlfriend, like it was like she knew something hit and she got out of there. And you can see in the video, they talk about, she said like, yeah, we've boxed a couple times. And I'm like, what? Like meant that they had fought with each other yeah. and it had gotten physical and it just was a really bad okay but yeah the reason we knew that there were drugs involved is because of complaints from upstairs and charges that had happened while we're going through the process of trying to get this tenant out like does that make sense it does it was just it was a bad situation but to answer your question um the only thing that i think i got heat for and this wasn't the majority of the heat but just the fact that i aired that right that was the monetize one, something yeah someone else was struggling that was the one thing at my core that i'm like they probably have a little bit of a leg to stand on there even though it was so bad and the big reason i put it out there is one i was so frustrated because when you have a tenant do this there's no way you can get that money back literally like when you have a tenant that's a deadbeat that doesn't pay even if you get the courts to say, yeah, you can evict them and they owe this money, you'll never see that money. Like it is impossible to get it out of someone that is in that situation. And so it just is really frustrating. Then you go in and see not only did you not pay rent, but now I've got a $15,000 renovation. So that's why I justified in my head. And obviously if I'd felt good about it at the beginning, I probably would have posted on my own, but I didn't post it. And then Kevin saw it and he's like, dude, we got to post this. <laughs> Kevin, man, of course, Kevin. He's always going to say, you got to post it. Yeah. So um, the other stuff, though, no ground whatsoever. Because the other complaint is just landlords general landlord just complaint. In general, right? like every landlord is Satan. The other complaint was just like they said, no, the tenant said they weren't stealing electricity. When, when I was interviewing them, I, I was like, hey, did you steal electricity? And they're like, no, the upstairs tenant said we could. I'm like, dude, we lost the upstairs tenant because they were so done with the downstairs tenant. And they were the ones that told us you were stealing electricity. So they'd accuse me How of lying about it. So 
dude, you got to watch the video. They had, they would keep going up and plugging into the outside outlet and then they'd run it down in to run like their fridge and some lighting because they weren't paying their power bill. That's what sucks about an eviction. They don't have money to pay rent. They're not paying for power. They're not paying for anything. But can't you not cut off your tenant's power bill even if they aren't I paying? don't control it. I The city can. City does, yeah. Oh. yeah. So their name is the name on the utilities. It's uh, yeah, not okay. me. So it just... Yeah, it just got gnarly. Yeah, I'm looking through the comments here. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's wild these comments. So uh, I like this one by Cat. I used to date a landlord, and I used to be all not all landlords, but without getting into it, yes, all landlords. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, a millionaire smiling to a camera and saying he's planning to pay some struggling couple a hundred bucks to allow him to record them in order to publicly humiliate them is the most dystopian thing I've ever heard. Can you imagine thinking that it's normal and okay to do? Can you uh, effing imagine? Yeah. People were heartless, like crazy. And a lot of the stuff, it's because the person that made the video manipulated it. Like even that situation, we talked about paying the tenants to leave so we didn't have to go through the so eviction So it wasn't process. paying them to yeah, get there. This is, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, this is the one comment that I've had to deal with something similar. Um, he almost definitely broke the warranty of habitability and they were probably legally entitled to withhold the rent. The water in their kitchen wasn't working. Their stuff was open to the elements for years because of a broken window. If they had access to proper legal counsel, they would never have been evicted. If you find yourself in a situation like this, look up legal clinics, okay, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, now I had a tenant who was very similar to that with like break stuff and then I'm they not, break out all the windows right, right. when they haven't paid rent for three months and you're trying to evict them yeah. and then they're like oh but he won't fix the windows it's like dude we just want you to leave yeah. like you've destroyed I'm well sure my situation it was uh they claimed that there was mold but the reason that they claimed that there was mold was because they were growing stuff in the garage with a lot of moisture and they caused the, you know, if there was, I didn't find any, but they said there was. Yeah. So, but if, if there was, I mean, that was their causing of something that I wouldn't be uh, okay with to begin with. So, yeah, it just, it's <clears throat> tricky. And the thing that frustrated me is you have all the evidence of all of this stuff that they're lying about. Like we show it in the video. And yet this guy that puts together the video, anything they said, he just leans into 100%. And, you know, you could take the best human on earth and and put together a video to make them look bad and i feel like that's what he did um i don't know again the one thing going back i probably just would have never posted the video yeah. but do you do you ever think that there's a there's a balance how could we make this right between the people who are very anti-landlord and in in my opinion that's only growing it's only getting worse the, it, it's it's not a group of people that's dwindling down you know people are breaking apart it, it, it seems to be growing stronger and stronger what would you say to those people and is there a middle ground do you think to it I don't know because when you read through the comments, they truly believe that it should be just provided and that they, the majority of those people, if you read the comments, they don't want to have a job. They think that human life should be that you have food, housing, and the freedom to do whatever you want all day, every day. And that that's just should be a human right. And I think the thing that's frustrating is it's like, no, I think everyone would love that, but who's going to build the housing, who's going to provide the food, who's going, do you know what I mean? The like government. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, but 
but who? Because you need government workers. Elon Musk got to pay his taxes. And then yeah. we could build the houses so the government could do it all. So it's I'm just, kidding. it's infuriating. And it just comes back to the concept <laughs> that for any system to work, everyone has to bring value to the system. And there are lots of people in this world that can't bring value. And I'm a big proponent for finding a way to help those people. But if everyone thinks that they can be in a place where they don't have to bring any value to the world and it should all be just given to them, that's where we have a problem. And I think, you know, it, we have to be careful as a society to not get too far that way because pretty soon, at what point is it acceptable? Like mm -hmm. I can see, you know, maybe there's five to 10% of our population that truly needs help. And as good humans, we should find a way to help them. Mm -hmm. But when it gets to the point that 50% of our population needs to be taken care of by the other 50%, you can't yeah. function in a society. But how do we solve or or educate that group to be able to see a different, different side of things? You have them. <clears throat> you have financial education on YouTube from Graham Stephan. Subscribe. <laughs> um, it's a great question. I don't know. Because that's what I think it really comes down to. It's just... Being able to get that point across in a way that's uh, be, because let's be real, I mean it's it's it sells to be like landlords are bad and uh, they're driving up the cost of housing and then point to examples of like th uh, this person's rent was six hundred now it's twelve hundred he's got to leave um, those stories sell yeah and so I, I think as long as that narrative continues which it will because I, that that gets people upset anything that gets people upset is going to get more views so it makes sense they're going to continue that narrative yeah but i think it's only going to reinforce that like we have a problem here landlords are bad they're they're uh, they're profiting from that problem and uh yeah no I, I don't know i don't know how to fix it either so i think too and this is one point i made in my response video at some point, you have to recognize that when you lean into that bandwagon, you're really hurting yourself, you're hurting your life, you're hurting other people's lives. Because if you are just going to wait for someone else to solve your problems, unfortunately, you're going to live a life where your problems aren't solved. And it it just sucks because as that builds momentum, that doesn't hurt the people that are landlords. It doesn't. I don't see it ever coming back because you just have more and more people that aren't getting access to the things that... I do think they should have, but they just need to work for, you know? Yeah. You know what's interesting? Uh, Brandon, Bigger Pockets, Brandon Turner, um, mentioned me. I don't think it was in the podcast. Maybe it was in the podcast, or it was to me privately. Um, he told me, I think it was privately, that he offered financial education to the people in his mobile home parks. And I mentioned something along the, the lines of, well, you know, if, if you know, isn't that going to get to the point where for you, then they're going to they're gonna leave? And I forget what his, I wish I could remember his response. He had such a good response to that. But it was basically that, uh, you know, if if he offers them the financial education, then they're not going to rent. Then they're going to be likely to buy from him. And then he could, uh, you know, and then they'll own the unit. So they'll transition from a renter to an owner. But then in the process, they'll be able to sell them that. And they'll be able to build equity and, 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 and build their wealth. And both of them win. I thought that was really interesting that he provides that. Uh, he, he that must have been privately to me. Right? Yeah, that was not on the podcast. Oh yeah, uh, man, I wish I wish we could have him here to to clarify this because I'm probably getting some of this wrong. But he also told me that not a lot of people took advantage of that. Yeah, well, and, there are very few people who really I mean, consistently. Yeah. You look if if you really want change, and this is one of the reasons that I think I love talking about Elon Musk, but also. I don't feel like I'm even worthy of, you know what I mean? Like what he's done is incredible, but looking at him, 
you take something like electric cars and how the government tried to shove it down people's throats. Like yeah. you need to do this because it's going to be better for this, 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 and this. And that method doesn't work. But then you have someone that comes in and says, hey, this is a problem. I want to fix it. So I'm going to make it so it's something people want to do, not something we have to force to do. I have to believe there's a solution there. And I really wish all of these people, instead of complaining about landlords, were coming up with solutions that weren't just you give me housing. It's like, all right, like I know there has to be a solution there. I don't know if that education, I think that's a great idea, but there has to be something. It would just be cool if these people, instead of complaining, were actually finding the solution because the reality is, having the government pay for it isn't a solution that's going to work <laughs> you can't well that's that's the problem though it's a temporary solution and it does temporarily work and it does temporarily make people feel better and so if it's and especially too you have to think well at least i think this way if if someone wants to be elected they have to appeal to what most people want and if that's rent control more restriction more regulation and individuals may be limited to the you know first five homes and they have to pay an additional tax on top of that to disincentivize people i think it's it it's just that's what's going to be implemented even if it doesn't fix it long term even if it's just like next five years we'll kind of fix this but 10 years from now we'll have an even bigger issue i think most people wouldn't even think that long yeah so i just maybe this is a terrible mm -hmm. idea yeah but it just came to me while you were talking makes me wonder if the government right now they've got the three and a half percent down option right what if there's some form of government lease to own option where you don't need as much of a big down payment and where the government's a little more flexible with people in situations like that to buy units I feel where like that it's would be like, too litigious because imagine suing the government Imagine the building you moved in, like something happens to it. And yeah, but you have to, it's, yeah. the lease to own is a structure that like benefits the landlord and the tenant provided by the government. So then instead of money just going to, I'm not saying it's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, something like, like that. Let's get yeah, somebody sure. creative where there's some way where the barrier to entry mm -hmm. for housing yeah. is to where it's beneficial for the landlord and for I the know. tenant. I know. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if at one point um, they're like, you know what, no money down. 50-year mortgage, you know, and just, they, they lower the barrier to entry to a point where basically anyone who wants a house can buy one if it's available, but by then the prices will have shot yeah. up. Well, here's the problem, though, is then <clears throat> the risk of this kind of individual now no longer falls on the landlord. Maybe it falls back on banks. It falls back on someone, and nobody wants that risk. That's why it sucks that landlords get the, you know, you guys suck, because it's like, dude, do you know we are providing housing for people that is very difficult to deal with a lot of the time, you know? Does that make sense? Like it, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. What do you think, Jack? About what? <laughs> what do you mean about, about what? About, about how, teddy bears, About what Jack? part? Because you about guys have, teddy bears. You what do you spoke think about, about a lot bears? of things. So about how you can educate or how you can like... What's your Make solution? people find the middle I'm ground. Spitballing. I yeah. probably shouldn't spitball on a podcast. <laughs> no, it's fine. But, uh, I've been enjoying it. But I recognize I like there's a yeah. problem. I want people to know that I can yeah, see no. the problem, and I'm trying to be the best landlord I can. Yeah. The only problem I see is that uh, that there there is no solution that's easy. I think the temporary solutions will win, at least over the probably the next 10 to 15 years. And then we're It's going to be more and more <laughs> difficult. I think the problem's only going to get worse, even though temporarily people feel like we're working towards something. I think we're working further away from that. I think the only solution is to probably build more homes and to lower And to increase financial literacy. Increase financial literacy. But, but my worry is that... Uh, 
financial literacy, it's, it's going to be like some outdated college class of just, you know, in high school that kids are going to not pay attention to because it's boring. Right. You know, so that, that's like I tuned out everything in school. Like nothing to me was Yeah, but I'm sure you would have listened if there was a course on personal finance. No, I had a business class, believe it or not, that I thought was interesting. Business I, sucks. I man. loved it. I loved that business class, but I tuned out mm. really. like, And that was like one of my favorite classes, and I just... And I'm, you, I'm interested in that. Makes you wonder if we bring back like indoctrination, you know, <laughs> where you bring it back. You have like, <laughs> you have like a 15 minute video that you watch once a month and you're quizzed on <laughs> yeah. for their whole upbringing. Cause I really, feel like they're gonna, I think in gonna 15 minutes yeah. I could teach some principles yeah. that would help people True. get on their feet after school. I don't know. No, I agree. I think, uh, as far as like the burden, the burden will always have to be passed on to someone. Right. And if you're passing the burden on to someone else, whether that be the government, whether that be, uh, you know, the landlords, I think the only solution is that the burden has to be upon the individual if they yeah. want to, you know, find a you house know, or something yeah, like that. You, know you just have to find a way that you can make them okay with taking on that burden, it, such as increasing financial literacy or other I don't know, pro It's programs. hard, but you have to reach a point where, like, every problem can be solved by the government. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not anti-government. I think there's definitely a need for that. It just, it can't be the solution uh, for everything. You know what I really wanted, and I, uh, this was an idea I had uh, like probably 10 years ago, but like Santa Monica was so crowded and, and they had an issue with, uh, uh, with getting units and, and nobody, uh, very few people wanted to rent their places because of very strict rent control regulations. There's no land to build anymore. I wanted to build micro units. I'm talking about, a place oh, yeah. that's the size of this room. You got a bathroom here with a closet. Just imagine a little micro unit like this with a, a tiny kitchenette in the corner. All you need is like a mini stove, a refrigerator. It's enough for like a bed here. Put a TV on the wall, a micro unit. Uh, how big is it? This is probably 150 square feet. So I'm talking like a 200 square foot, which is basically uh, a one car garage size, 200 square foot thing. That would do so well. And everyone would make a ton of money from that. So for the person renting it, they'll be able to rent a micro unit for a third of the cost of renting a full-on uh, apartment. So they're saving two-thirds of their income. Uh, per square foot, the owner would make way more money because now all of a sudden, they're renting the space for like double what it would normally rent per square foot. But the city can't do that because it doesn't have the uh, amount of parking. They need, I think it's per... I don't know, there's, there's like a minimum square footage that they need, and then per that square footage, they need a parking space, which doesn't exist. So because of that, can't do it. Yeah. But I would love just a big building a like that. Solution. A nice really building, cool. though. Yeah. Not, not like a, you know, like, like a dorm room or right. anything like that, but a nice building with micro units. Because I'm thinking, like, if I were, like, 20 to 25, I would live there in a, in a second. To be right in the middle, to be able to walk down and, like, there's all the restaurants, there's all the bars, there's, like, everyone's hanging out down there, but you got your own spot. Awesome. I would love that. I think it'd be way cool. That's the, That, I think, is the solution. A good Everyone solution. wins. Yeah. Everyone wins. It's true. If you invest in that, you make a lot of money. And maybe you'd be able to buy those units, too. <laughs> the price per square foot could be, like, uh, you know, it could be. A thousand dollars a square foot, right? It doesn't and, and matter. And for hundred and fifty grand, they're getting their right. own place, right? It's, it's a nice view, twenty stories up in the air. I wish. That's I mean, what yeah, I'd love to see. that it would make sense. But yeah, I don't think the city would ever approve that ever. But but then you also have to think, oh well, maybe there's a fire hazard or something like yeah. that. Sure. With with all, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other regulations. I'm not taking into Just consideration. But yeah, the frustrating part about all of this is any solution you come up with 
has some potential negative that you have to deal with down the road. That's know? true. And, and it just yeah, and maybe it's cramming too many people in a spot is is a is a hazard if there's an earthquake, a fire, a disaster, something happens, and there's like a thousand people. And like five story buildings, have slides <laughs> out the windows. Right, so that's the solution. But there's, there's yeah. So there's got to be something there. But uh, yeah, do you have any questions for us? Questions for you. I'm curious for you. What like what does Graham Stefan look like in five years from now? No clue. No idea. No clue. One year from now. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely still doing the podcast. That's not going. I I I don't know. Month by month at this point, it's whatever feels right. Really? Yeah. Wow, my job security <laughs> feels so good right now, guys. <laughs> Don't worry, Al. There, there's always going to be something for Alex. Yeah, producing so. the podcast. Yeah. There's, there's, I'm not worried about Alex. <laughs> there's always going to be something. How have you guys both liked the transition here? To Las Vegas? Hmm? Hated it at first. Love it now. It's good. You ain't it. I love it. Uh, I've always liked it, though. Yeah, but you're not very social. So like you yeah. are, you already also had friends. I did not have any friends. I'm and your friend. Yes, you are my friend. But I saw a lot of you because we lived in the same house. So it was fun. Those are the days. I miss yeah, those days. the good old days. I'm very jealous of all of the creators you guys get to be around here. Like yesterday when you're hanging out with her, like a dozen YouTubers there that are all yeah. like minded. And I'm yeah. like, man, this is that's cool to bounce. Come to ideas. Vegas. Yeah, move here, man. Yeah. It's a good place. Yeah. So you that's can take cool. Jack's room. Yeah, you want to rent? I got two rooms open. I I'll run it by my wife. Okay, cool. And at this point, my house is never going to be done, so it might be worth it to consider that. Come to so. Vegas for a year. Why yeah. wouldn't you? We should. I I honestly think I might get to the point where the three or four months of snowy, wintry, not fun Idaho. Um, it'd be worth it just come live out here for a couple months because our Try kids it. are young enough we get away with it. Right. And winters here are much less brutal. So Try it out. Yeah, I would stuff. do it. Okay. I have another question for you. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think? You've seen my channel. You've seen what I've got going on. If you're me, what would be your next move? Uh, probably do a real estate syndicate. Probably Start just building a yeah. syndication or a fund. Because it's like, you know, the, there's so many different finance creators out there. And I think your strength is real estate. But you've almost tapped out the real estate audience on YouTube. It's not that big. I mean, really, there's, I would say, a few hundred thousand people out there who will consistently watch real estate content. More people over time that will subscribe and kind of fall in and out of there. But maybe 150,000, maybe 200,000 people at any given point just like, really into real estate in yeah. the US. So I, I think from that standpoint, probably a syndicate. Double down in the real estate content. and Pro Probably, because otherwise you're gonna get into stuff just to grow the audience. But like to me, you're the real estate guy. Yeah. Um, so I would lean into that. I think that's your strength. Do you miss being the real estate guy or do you like the direction your channel is taking? No, because there's, there's only so much I could do. I do miss buying properties but just like if i look financially at it it just doesn't make sense like like anything that i would do at that point to buy a property would be at a loss just because you know for that same amount of time i'd be able to make other videos that would be way more profitable so i do miss that aspect of it though but back then it was like that was good money to like to make a hundred grand on on you know an equity with a, a few months of work but it was just grind like every morning i'd be there every night i'd be there i'd be calling contract i remember how many times and I've, i forgot about this until just now but how many times we show up at 10 a.m nobody's there where are the guys and uh 
oh yeah, they'll be there at 12, blah, blah, blah. They had to do another project. And I, I'm like, I'm like, all right, show up at three. No one was there. Oh yeah, they're running late. They'll be, they'll work later tomorrow. And they just like show up at 10 a.m. the next day. Tomorrow. I was like, I can't, I can't do that anymore. And you could even hire, by the way, like the best people, but then you're, you're paying more. Like yeah. it, it, then th there goes the margins. Like uh, on the last renovation I did, I hired a really good manager, like really good top notch. But just the cost went from what should have been probably 80 grand. I think I spent 120 because I hired a really great team. And even then it was like 120 and it took almost double what they, but that was normal. But it is what it is. You yeah. have to be there. You have to be there on site. Do you think you're going to buy a lot of real estate this year though? I know we, I want to buy one. I want to buy one big building this year. How big? Uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, it depends how much I can make in the first six months. And then whatever that is, will kind of justify whatever the down payment is. Cause I don't want to cash out of anything else. So like whatever I make in six months, that's my down payment. And I'll go as big as I can realistically, but I, I'm thinking maybe like a triple net something that uh, I don't really have to do much work on. Yeah, that's cool. Looking back at your channel, yeah, what would you have done differently? Uh, I would have started earlier and I would have posted more often. <laughs> really, like yeah. how more often? Just your three. Uh, times you know a what? Week, realistically, I besides not starting earlier, that what I should have done was gone all in YouTube way earlier. It took me three years. It really wasn't until like 2020 where I really was like, all right, I'm not going into the office anymore. Like even then I was still doing like the occasional deal here and there, but I should have, I think the, after the first year, I should have just gone all in. Makes sense. Cause I'm curious where the channel would be now had I just been a hundred percent in that and not like 60, 40. I've thought about that a lot too. Yeah. That's interesting. And do you... I know the last time I was on the podcast, you said like your dream guy to be was Dave Ramsey mm -hmm. just because of the way he's done what he's done. Is yeah. it still that or do you see it being, I know I'm kind of re-asking yeah. the question from earlier, but is that still the vision or? Yeah, kind of. I don't know why lately I've gotten really into this headspace of music. It's, it's weird. Um, like you want to create music? Yeah. He it's, makes songs. He makes mixtapes. Well, now. <laughs> Graham's that, the thing is, Graham's I'm that guy who's just going to start handing you his mixtapes. Yeah, dude, yeah. you're in a great yeah. place. You can Man, hand out CDs it's so down like, I know, I know. It's 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 bad because uh, like I'm not good. I'm not good at it. Like I I know I'm pretty good. I, I had this idea in my mind of what what I wanted to sound like, and I have no idea just how to like put my fingers on because I'm learning Logic Pro how to be able to it's so complicated the software it's like how to figure out what i want and how to make it sound like how i want to in my head and there's like a bajillion things and i go through this thing and then i get to a point where i like i mix the tempo up where like something auto fills the entire thing the whole thing is screwed up and i start over again it's just learning the softwares uh which is something, it's totally new for me that makes sense so, okay question for yeah. both of you I've got a lot of questions, but <laughs> what are the top two to three things you're both like most proud of accomplishment wise, like right now? Uh, Jack's definitely buying the house. I would Mazda say. Miata. <laughs> Mazda no, Miata. Yeah. The, yeah, I'd say buying the house for sure. Uh, the main thing for that was like, I just, I, I always dreamt of like buying a house, but to actually go through with it and go through the process and actually do it myself, I was like, oh yeah, it's not going to happen. But I would always talk about it and I always wanted it, but it actually happened. So it was definitely a pretty big accomplishment. Uh, another one would probably be the iced coffee hour. Uh, another one would probably be... The mentorship group. 
it'd probably be my relationships with people. I'm pretty proud of like how I can maintain pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, the mentorship group. Yeah. No, which is surprising uh, because you don't text anybody back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not that great at texting. I don't believe in the 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 nice like formalities and pleasantries that you share with people. I think more so relationships are built off of like just always being you know the same. Like I can see you a year after I see you now, and we're just like just buddy buddy. Tight. You know what I mean? So I would say those are my three biggest accomplishments. How about you, Graham? Uh, definitely. I I, I don't know. I think the channel me. Jack, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd say the channel, yeah. definitely the channel, making fi- number one. making personal finance fun. I love it. That's it. Yeah. What? Uh, and then you cut me off when you're sick of me asking questions. But in the last year, life altering. I don't know. I feel like everyone hits a point where some of the non like successes, but just views on the world or anything like that. If you had any life altering things in the last couple of years. No, I haven't. I just do the same thing every day. <laughs> Jack, have you had any life-altering changes? I don't think so. Maybe. Um, I need to have more action. So, like, I always know what's good for me, but generally speaking, I just don't do it. So it's kind of just like quit whining and just do it. So I've been trying to do that. I would say that's that's the biggest change that I've made. Just like do more, and Graham's just, do just like, dude, I'm just doing right what I need. You to just do. gotta, you just gotta do Keep the same thing. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if any time, other yeah. things you may want to ask, you gotta get a chance right now. Yeah. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah. No. That was a joke. My life's not that. All right, guys. So with that said. <laughs> What a great way to end it. <laughs> it there. That's a good. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll link to your information down below in the description. Make sure to subscribe, like, and get your free stock down below in the description. It's worth all the way to a thousand dollars. Thank you guys so much for watching. Go. Thank you for coming on, Chandler. Yeah, great me. to see you. Thanks. It's been a blast. Thanks, right. guys. Always Until next time. Go. Oh, can I have you look in the camera really quick? We got yeah. to do thumbnail really quick. That's good. I do a uh, like an angrier face. <laughs> 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 <laughs>